the Sunday Sermons Podcast. So great to have everybody here today. Thank you for joining us, whether you're joining us online or here in the building this morning. It's a little different having Christmas and New Year on a Sunday morning, and we've tried to make it as easy as possible. But also, I, I just really love that you guys have made the time. You've made it happen. What a better way to start a new year than to worship God, right? To praise God, to take communion together, to walk through his word together one more time. Try to figure out exactly what he wants next from us. And that's exactly what we're here to do today. Real quick survey. You can join in online with emojis if you want to. I'd like to know this. How many of you guys still have some of your Christmas decorations up like we do here? It's not going to be here much long. Good. I'm glad to know we're not all alone. There's still quite a few at my house as well. Uh, another one real quick about your Christmas decorations. How many have wise men in your nativity set? Do you have wise men? Okay. And of those, how many of, how many of them have crowns? Okay, that's what I thought. It's pretty common. I just want to clear up a few things. If yours have crowns, you don't have to go home and take them off or carve them off or anything. I, I don't want to ruin anything for you. But I do think it's important that we're always clear about what the Bible actually says. These guys were not kings. Uh, there's nothing royal about them. They were magi. They were scholars. Uh, we don't have anything exactly like magi today. But they were people who studied uh, not only God in the religion, uh, the scriptures that the Israelites had, but they also studied a whole bunch of other stuff. They studied science. They knew all about astronomy, how the stars work. They also studied other weird stuff that we wouldn't believe in, like astrology. They tried to interpret the stars. These were not the Jewish leaders. They weren't necessarily people who followed God. And yet God used them for, to do some amazing stuff. See, these gifts that they brought to Jesus really mattered. Up there, you see some gold and some frankincense and myrrh. And in their world, that was the most valuable stuff there were. It was also, just like it is today, it was valued by its purity. The purer the gold is, the purer the frankincense is, the purer the myrrh is, the more valuable it is. And usually the only people who had access to this were rich people, especially royalty or people who work somehow in ceremonies like uh, anointing people or taking care of dead bodies or something like that. In other words, somehow or another, these guys who were from far away and weren't really the people in charge of leading God's people at that time, they knew there was something royal about Jesus, something set apart about Jesus, that he was somehow going to play a role in preparing us for life and death in a way that mattered to God. Not only that, how else do you think that Joseph and Mary, these poor, poor little couple, could have possibly survived the flight to Egypt and taking care of Jesus that God knew was about to come if somebody hadn't just showed up with some of the most valuable stuff in the world and just dumped it there? Isn't that cool? God loves to use anybody who will let him use them. And he loved to use these magi. And these magi, they had some really cool insight that even God's people didn't have at this time. They looked back at Malachi 5.2 and they not only just thought, uh, saw a blessing on Bethlehem, but they said, no, that's where the Messiah will be born. They understood that. And, and they got something out of the story of, well, the prophecy of Balaam that nobody else had picked up on. 
Let me show you that. How many kids do we have here this morning? We don't always have kids. Okay, you guys, if you've never read the story of Balaam, you get, need to get your parents to go back to Numbers 22 through 24. I don't have time to tell you the whole story this morning, but it's amazing. It's funny. It's crazy. It's got a talking donkey and an angel, and it's just nuts. It's a wonderful story. But this guy, Balaam, he was another magi. He was kind of like a priest for hire for any religion who wanted to use him. If you wanted somebody to be cursed or blessed, you could hire Balaam. It was kind of like if you wanted to get married in a church, but not really, you can go to a wedding chapel in Gatlinburg. You know what I'm saying? Married by a preacher, but not really. Okay, Balaam was like that. He wasn't really a prophet of God, but he could do, he'll, he'll, you pay him money, he'll do it for whatever church wants him to. Does this make sense? Well, here he comes and somebody hires him to curse Israel. And instead, as he starts to go and do that, God himself starts to speak through him. And he not only puts some blessings on Israel, he actually starts talking about the coming Messiah. And he says this, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. And of course, we know that ultimately means Jesus is the light of the world. He's the king of kings. But they looked at that and they said, if there's ever a special star that appears over Bethlehem, that's when the Messiah is going to be born. Somehow they looked at all that and figured that out. And here they come. See, God uses people in ways that we can't imagine. Ways that people who are faithful to God year after year sometimes can't figure out. God uses whoever he wants to use. In that story of Balaam, and I'm telling you, you got to go back and read it. He used a donkey. The most godly person, the one who did God's will the most in that story was a donkey. A talking donkey. How crazy is that? But I'm telling you, God can use you and he can use me. And he's going to use whatever it takes to get his will done. So here come these magi. And, and again, uh, just clearing this up, not trying. You can put them next to the shepherds if you want. But they didn't show up the night Jesus was born. That was a whole nother story. Watch the words here carefully. It says, in going into the house, they saw the child. And if you look at the original, it doesn't say baby. It says child. It's like a toddler. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream, who do you think warned him in a dream? This is easy. Let's try this again. Who do you think warned him? God. God knows who else they were listening to, but God himself is using these guys. Being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is just one more example of how God always teams up with people. How he always, whether it looks wise to us or not, whether it makes sense to us or not, he always tries to partner with us. And he wants to partner with each one of you guys today. He wants to partner with me. He wants to partner with all of us together. When he talked to Abraham, he said, behold, my covenant is with you. And you shall be the father of a multitude of of nations. Now, just real quickly, I'm going to keep using that word behold a lot. This is the title. We've sung about it. We've said it. it. Basically, it just means look, but it means look in a special way. It means really pay attention. It means, hey, stop. Watch this. 
It, it, it really, you need to look at this for a second. Hey, guys, will you, will you look at this? Nowadays, we do that with our phones a lot. Or do you know what I'm talking about? But we're like, look at this, look at this. And every single time you see God or somebody else in the Bible going, behold, you should behold that. You should pay attention. It's something important. We're not even going to look at all of them today, but we're going to look at some key ones. But God says this to Abraham, behold, my covenant is with you. Would you say that out loud? Because God is saying that to us today. Behold, my covenant is with you. And a covenant, just in case you don't know, is an agreement, a promise that's going to last forever. You don't break covenants. Again, God loves to team up with people. And if we trust him enough to obey him, that's when we have a covenant with him. And he loves to team up with people who trust him enough to obey him no matter what. In the story of Jesus's birth that we've been celebrating the last couple of weeks, one of my biggest heroes in the whole story is Mary, this young woman who'd been godly all her life. She tr- gives up her good reputation and everything else to say yes to God. I love that her response to the angel who said, behold this and behold that and don't be afraid and all the other things angels always say. She responds to him, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Would you pray that prayer with me this morning? Like everybody, could we just say this to God? Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Man, if you can pray that prayer or some prayer, you don't have to recite it. You don't have to say it word for word. But if you can always come to God like that, he's going to come in it with you and amazing stuff's going to happen your whole life. Jesus and John, it's Christmas. We celebrate the, the miraculous births that both of them have and the crazy angels and dreams and all this great stuff. But as they grew up, God, we see what God was doing among us through them. Jesus later said of John, this is he of whom it is written, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. He's quoting Malachi chapter three there. John writes the next day, he's talking about John the Baptist. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Later, Jesus, talking about himself, again quotes another prophet, and he says this, Behold, my servant whom I have chosen. By the way, this is one of those passages where God speaks through a prophet, but it's God's voice, and then it's Jesus quoting that in the New Testament. Whenever you see that kind of con, all of that coming together at once, it's probably pretty important. When you say Jesus quoting an Old Testament prophet in the New Testament, listen what he says about himself. This is God, what God says about Jesus. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. And in his name, the Gentiles will hope. God was very clear all along about what he wanted this Messiah to do, what he wanted Abraham's family to do, what he wants us to do. He wants us to reach the entire world. He wants us to invite 
Everybody, everybody is invited to be part of God's team. But some of us say yes and some of us don't, right? Some of us accept his offer, some of us don't. Some of us become part of his family, some of us don't. He leaves that us to up, but everybody is invited. But those of us who say yes to God, there's so much new that Jesus brought to the table. Instead of just day after day of trying not to sin and then offering sacrifices when you do so God could forgive you and moving on, Jesus gave us the hope of real transformation. Somehow or another with his spirit actually living inside of us, with the power that he was giving us, with all the other things that he brought to the table, that breaking the power of sin and death, that he could actually, we could little by little become more like him. Paul says it this way, if you'd say it out loud with me right now, Paul, we're quoting Paul here. He says, behold, the new has come. Behold, the new has come. See, because of Jesus, we can become God's children and he doesn't just forgive us, he transforms us and teams up with us. We today are the body of Christ. Would you look at each other for a second? I'm gonna give you a second so you can look both directions. I want you to say this, you are the body of Christ. That's pretty crazy. That's pretty amazing. Isaiah wrote, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts or the God of heaven's armies, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Again, in, in the New Testament, it's clear that God is doing these things. He's inviting everybody, but the people who choose to put their faith in Jesus experience it. John chapter one, it starts out the story of Jesus and said, in the beginning, there was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And it goes on through this beautiful passage. It says that the light of the world was coming into the world. The darkness did not recognize it, but the darkness has not overcome it. But eventually, as the story goes on and we see all the things Jesus taught us, he eventually says that we are the light of the world. Not the ultimate light of the world, not the special perfect light of the world like Jesus was, but we are the light now. We've got to do that. We've got to make sure that we do that. And, and in John three sixteen and 17, we looked at that again last week. Hopefully most of you, even all you kids, you guys have this memorized, but it says God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him, whoever puts their trust in him, who trusts him enough to obey him, who actually defines their life based on following Jesus. They will not perish, but have everlasting life. John writes, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of the blood, nor of the will, nor of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. 
Later, there's a really great story we usually tell around Easter time, specifically on um, Palm Sunday. There's this, this story we always tell about another donkey. Anybody remember we talked about a donkey a second ago? How many kids do you remember? Numbers 22 to 24, okay? Tell your parents. You got to read that story later. It matters. This other one is also important. But Jesus rides into town on a donkey to declare himself as king. And that was significant for several reasons. One, there's this very specific prophecy that said that's one of the ways you'd know it was the Messiah. He was making sure that everybody saw this happen literally, not just metaphorically. But also, there's, there's some symbols here. If you want to look cool, you don't ride a donkey. Somebody, somebody didn't really hear that very well. If you want to look cool, you ride a horse or a motorcycle. Or something like that. Not a donkey. If you ever get a chance to go to a petting zoo or wherever else somebody might let you pet a donkey or even ride it, you should do it. And when you do, you should just think about Jesus, a full-grown man, riding into town on one of those things. It, It wasn't majestic. It wasn't cool. Because Jesus was not coming in to get everybody to rally behind him and and fight with him. He was declaring himself to be the prince of peace. And it's a totally different thing. And he chose a donkey that wasn't like even a cool donkey. It had never even been ridden before. And its mom was a donkey that hauled stuff around. His whole family was donkeys that didn't even carry people in the first place. It wasn't even a cool donkey. But again, God can even use donkeys if he wants to. You can bet he can use you. And you can bet he can use me. And whoever says yes to him gets to be used in a powerful way. Period. He's going to team up with us and do something new every time. John writes um, what Jesus said about this. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. And Paul writes this. Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. I'd like to ask you this morning, are are you living in the new? Days like New Year's Day is always a really good chance. I'm not saying you're not. I'm not hinting either direction. I'm just saying this is a great time for us to go, so where am I? Where where have I been lately and where, where am I going? Where has God been leading me? What have I been learning? What's been struggling? What, where do I need to go? What do I hear God leading me into? What, what have I wanted to stop this year and somehow I didn't? I, I'm going to get that stopped. What are some things I always wanted to do and now 2022 is gone? Maybe I'll actually do that. No, not, not maybe. I'm going to get that done in 2023. In many ways, this is just one more day, but it's a really good day to think about things that way. And that's what I'm encouraging you to do today. And let me ask again, are you living in the new? Is your life actually defined by your faith in Jesus? Are you claiming every day the victory over sin and over death that Jesus offers you? Is he the one who's leading you around? Are you letting him use you and your gifts the way he uses people and even donkeys in the Bible? Is that it? If not, it can be. That's up to you. 
Paul again, he says, if we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. In other words, we're all becoming more and more like Jesus himself. Paul continues, all of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. See him doing something amazing and then teaming up with us again. If you've ever reconciled with somebody, you know what I mean and how powerful and life-shaping that is, even if you don't know the word. So let me explain the word for anybody, any age who doesn't know what reconciliation means. It means you were fighting with somebody, but you're not fighting anymore. You weren't speaking to somebody, but now you're speaking. You, you were friends and then you weren't friends and now you're friends again. But it's even more than that. It, it means that not only have you teamed back up, you're getting stuff done. You're working together. You're working as a unit. It'd be like, how many have ever been on a ball team before? Any kind of sports, you've been on a team, okay? Uh, it, sometimes there's some drama in those teams, right? Okay, and if there's drama, you don't play very well together. Reconciliation would be like, there's drama in your team. You almost like everybody's just going to quit or the coach is going to quit. It's just bad. Everything's bad. But this somehow you guys decide to work it all out. You reconcile and then you start practicing harder than you've ever practiced before. And you actually start winning. That's reconciliation. Does that make sense? That's what God makes possible through Jesus. And without Jesus, none of us could be reconciled with God. There's no way we could go from being his enemies to his children without Jesus. But guess what? He says, through Christ, God has reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. And therefore, we are the ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. And we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Another thing I love about this season is because God physically, tangibly showed up in history at one point after years and years and years of promising and it not happening, but then it did That gives all of us so much hope to look forward to when he keeps another promise because he's coming back again. That's one of the things I love about Advent. We didn't like the candles today. We've already finished Advent, but we do have the star because we're talking about the star today. You with me on this? But all this stuff is true all year round. It's just real. But that's one of the things I love the most about Advent is it, it, it celebrates this hope that we can live in and the purpose that that hope gives every single day because now we live in anticipation of the return of the Messiah. We live in an era where instead of having to go to the temple and having somebody offer sacrifices, that's been done. Now we're the temple and whenever we all get together, it's even more the temple. Are you with me? It's powerful. We have no reason not to get the work done that Jesus gave us to do. And guess what the ultimate fulfillment of the whole thing is going to be? We know this from Revelation. Jesus says this, behold, I am making all things. Yes. New. Let's say it together. Behold, I am making all things new. On the other side of all this, when Jesus returns, he's going to be with us even more than he was physically with us when he showed up the first time. 
God is going to be with us in every sense of the word. He's going to be with us in the sense that we're all on the same team. He's going to be physically with us. Every possible way. Here's a couple of hopeful verses from Revelation. And I encourage you, however you study Revelation, know that there's so much symbols in here. Instead of always trying to just interpret it, you should just just see the hope and the beauty of these dreams that God gave this guy. But, but it all is pointing so hopefully toward a perfect future no matter what. Here's, here's some of these verses. Behold, he's coming in the clouds. Every eye will see him and even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. And even so, amen. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Do you see again that the whole world is going to be represented in heaven? One way or another, whatever else this means, everybody is invited to this party. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And thank God he did. That's how we can read them today. So as we wrap up this morning, let me ask you one more time. What does this have to do with New Year's Day? I'll tell you. This is a really good day for us to all behold where we are. Have you ever seen one of those maps that says, you are here? No? That's awesome. Well, they look a lot like that. And there's usually a pick, uh, there's a little arrow that looks kind of like a guitar pick, at least to me. And, and sometimes you see them in um, rest areas along the interstate. Sometimes you see them in the mall or someplace like that. There'll be a little map. And it's not about right or wrong. It's not about, oh, you came in the wrong door. You're such a loser. That's not what it is. It just says, you're here. And then you can go, where's, there's Starbucks. Okay, so I'm going to go this way. You, you follow me on that? Or you're on your journey to wherever you go. Hey, look how far we've come. This is where we're going to head. Oh, Cool. It just tells you where you are. This is a great day for that. And I encourage you to do that this morning. Because where, let me tell you, just like the Magi didn't know everything about God, God used them to figure out some stuff his own people didn't figure out. It doesn't matter where you've been up to this point. But you need to be honest about where you are right this second. And you need to figure out where God's taking you next. Does this make sense? Every single one of you is cooler than a donkey. That's, that's a pretty low bar. That's, that's, I mean that as a compliment, but that doesn't even take that much. But God used some donkeys for some pretty cool stuff in the Bible. Do you know what I'm saying? And I guarantee you he can use you. It doesn't matter if you're not that cool or if you don't think you're cool. I'm sure God does. He can use you. But you need to figure out where you are right this minute and where God wants to take you next. And you need to go there. You need to figure out exactly what he's asking. And then you need to respond. You need to trust him and obey him. You need to 
Embrace what he's given you and start to become more and more like Jesus. Maybe you've been doing that for a long time. You're making a lot of progress. Again, this is a good day for you to just go, so where am I? No, I'm probably back here. No, actually, I'm here. Do you know what I'm saying? You got to figure it out. You pray about it. You think maybe ask some people. Maybe you're hanging out with family or friends you can trust today. Ask them, how am I doing in this? Where do you think we need to go next? And you need to be figuring out how in 2023, you're going to be preparing for Christ's return more than ever before. Here's the very, very end. One more verse from Revelation. And in Revelation, I think it's worth remembering, this is part of a letter that God wrote to a church. He's talking to people that are already Christians, but they've kind of pushed him out a little bit. He's like, hey, you know what? You guys are still doing your thing indoors, but I'm out here on the porch. You guys don't even realize. But the good news is he doesn't say, since you locked me out, good luck, I'm out. Here's what he says. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and eat with him and he with me. I don't know what that needs to matter to you guys this morning as an individual, as a, as a family, as a, a married couple, as a group of friends, as part of this church. As, well, I don't know exactly what that might mean, but if you've pushed Jesus away, I want you to be honest about it. And that this, is where, this is where you are today, but I need you to know that he is knocking. He will come back in if you let him. If you've never given him your life in the first place, today would be a really, really good day. And you'll always remember it because it's New Year's Day. You'll remember what day it was. We're all going to stand. We're all going to sing. We're going to make some choices in Christ's direction. I hit that too early. If it's got to be public, please come forward and make it public. But let's all go toward Jesus together.